What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Grant Baldwin, uh, speaker, podcaster, author, entrepreneur, and according to his website, an all-around normal dude trying to make a little dent in the world. Grant has spoken to audiences all over the country. He has spoken at hundreds of events and has given literally thousands of presentations in conferences, assemblies, conventions, at, and other events. He has spoken to audiences of just a handful to arenas filled with 13,000 people. Grant is married to his high school sweetheart and they live with, and they have three beautiful girls. He loves it and wouldn't trade lives with anyone. He also hosts the Speaker Lab podcast. Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brendan. Appreciate you uh, letting me hang out with you, man. Yeah, so uh, I'm so excited for this one. And before we dig into specifics on how you, um, on some things we can share with the audience in terms of booking, speaking engagements and so on, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and your story and how speaking became your niche and your expertise. Yeah, so if we go way back in time, um, in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a really big impact in my life and was a phenomenal speaker. And I just really resonated with him. I was like, I want to do that. Like, that seems like a really cool um, career opportunity. And so um, after that, I went to uh, Bible college. And actually, while I was in college, I worked for a guy who was a... Um, uh, was a full-time speaker. And so kind of got to see a little bit behind the scenes of what uh, what he did and got to help with like travel and, and booking and logistics and some of that stuff. Uh, and so really kind of got to see like, all right, this is a thing. You know, I think a lot of people who are interested in speaking don't necessarily know like this is like this is a career path. This is something that you could uh, certainly do. Um, so once I, I, I got a little taste of that, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued in this world. And so um, as a youth pastor, I got a, a lot of opportunities to speak, felt like I was good at it, wanted to do more of it. Um, and I think I found myself at a spot where a lot of people uh, maybe listening or watching find themselves where like you're, you're interested in speaking, you'd love to do more of it no idea what to do from there. Uh, and so that's where uh, I met several other speakers and just tried to learn the ins and outs of the business. Uh, and over the next couple of years, went from doing zero gigs, everyone starts at zero, to do to the point where I was doing 70 gigs a year uh, and really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, um, but also had a lot of people who are asking me like, hey, I've seen you build and grow your business grant and all the speaking gigs that you're booking. I want to do the same. I, I want to book gigs. Um, so what, what do I need to do that? Uh, and there are going to be people who want to do, you know, 50, 60, 70 gigs a year or more. And some people that are like, I don't want to do that many, but I'd love to do, you know, two, three, four, five. And I just have no idea how do you find those gigs or what do you speak about or who pays speakers or how much you charge and just like the ins and outs of that world. And so uh, that's where, where we started doing a lot more of the teaching and training, um, which is the core of what we do today uh, through our, our company, The Speaker Lab, uh, and through the new book, uh, The Successful Speaker. Awesome. Yeah, definitely want to hear more about both. Um, but for someone who's just getting started and maybe they have a, a brand, they say they either do online courses or they do coaching and they're looking to, they're first just approaching this world of wanting to book more speaking gigs and they're not getting any inbound requests, which I'm assuming is the normal thing for when you're getting started. Yeah. How do you recommend they would begin the process of 
where you know where to go to book say your first gig and then going from there to making a big part of your business yeah so inside of the book we walk through what we call the speaker success roadmap so it's going to be a five five step process uh, of exactly what you need to do so the first part of the process and it makes the acronym speak s-p-e-a-k and so the first part of the process is to select a problem to solve select a problem to solve so one i'll i'll just give you kind of a high level view of it and then we can dig in wherever you want um, yeah. So selecting a problem to solve, getting really clear on who you speak to, what you speak about, what's the problem that you solve for that audience. The problem that a lot of speakers run into is we just like speaking. And so we'd say like, I, I, you know, I'll speak to anybody about anything. And the reality right. is, is like, you can't do that. It doesn't work. Um, so first of all, once you're clear on who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve, the P is then prepare your talk, prepare your talk. So you know what you, who you speak to. Now, what's the solution that you bring to that? Uh, the E is for establish yourself as the expert. Uh, this is where uh, it comes down to your marketing materials, your website, your demo videos, like letting other people know, like, this is what you do. This is how you help. This is the, the solution that you are providing to uh, their potential audience. The A is for acquire paid speaking gigs. So this is where we dig into like the, the nuts and bolts of a system of how do you actually find and book gigs. Uh, and then the last part is the K is knowing when to scale. So a lot of people who are interested in speaking are also interested in, you know, writing a book or doing coaching or consulting or doing a podcast or doing a course or doing any number of different things. Uh, and so the reality is, is you can do all of those things, but something's going to come first and something's going to come last. So it's important to really think through and be clear on how does speaking fit into the mix of, of your business and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So that's the big picture framework there, uh, S-P-E-A-K. Uh, and like I said, we can, we, get, we can dig in and go wherever you want from there. Yeah, no, I think that's a really <clears throat> good framework to understand because especially, I mean, I, I resonate with this as someone who I, I do a lot of broad coaching. I base my model on what Tony Robbins does and Jack Canfield, and you know, they do relationships, life coaching, business yeah. coaching. And so for someone who say has like a broader niche of, I help people, you know, find more happiness or joy or whatever, you know, whatever, yeah. how do you um, help them kind of, what would you say to them to kind of niche down to solve a specific problem, which I think is part of your process of helping yeah. concrete gigs, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so, the way to think about this, one of the analogies we use a lot is that you want to make sure that you are positioned as the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse, not the buffet. What we mean by that is, you know, Brendan, if, if you and I were going to go to grab lunch and we were looking for a good steak, like you have a choice. Like you can go to a buffet where uh, steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer and they're all mediocre. Or right. you could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing and they do that one thing really, really, really well. Uh, so they don't do lasagna and they don't do salads and they don't do um, pizza. They don't do any of these other things, but they do, uh, they do one thing. They do steak really, really, really well. Uh, and so that's what you want to make sure that you are positioned as, as a speaker. Now the challenge is, uh, it's counterintuitive, but we think like the natural tendency is, well, the more audiences I can speak to, or the more topics I can talk about, the more potential opportunities that I can have. But again, that's kind of a buffet mentality. That's the more different things I serve, the more, the bigger the crowd is that I can draw. And people don't want that. I want like I want this one specific thing, which means you're not for everybody, but for the right people, you are a great fit. Now the problem is like what you're talking about, where people who are going like, well, what if there's a bunch of topics that I want to speak about, right? In the same way that let's go back to the steakhouse uh, buffet analogy, for a chef who does steak really, really, really well, do you think that they could probably also do pasta? 
They probably could, right? They could probably also do pizza and they could probably also do tacos. There's probably dozens of other things that they could do. They're, if they're a, a, a trained chef, they, they can probably make just about any cuisine. But by saying, I could do all those things, but I'm going to focus on this one specific thing. I want to be known for steak and be that, the best at that. It actually helps their business more uh, by focusing just on that one thing rather than trying to serve all things for all people. So that's what you're trying to do is not try to say, well, I, I speak on relationships and happiness and joy and health and fitness and, uh, and business and entrepreneurship and all these different things. And the reality is, is like you can't do all of those things. You need to pick one specific thing that you can focus on. Now, the other thing that I would caution people on as you mentioned, you know, like, you know, you've, you've done a lot of coaching or learning from, you know, like a Tony Robbins or for a, a Jack Canfield, you know? And so sometimes it's easy to look at these people who are uh, oftentimes several rungs above the, the us on the ladder. Uh, and we look at like, well, you know, Tony speaks on anything. So why can't I do that? Well, the reality is, is like you and I aren't Tony Robbins and you and I aren't Jack Canfield. And so they have built a platform that gives them the opportunity to really speak on whatever it is that they want. So a good example to think about this is, um, uh, I'll give you two examples. One would be like a Gary V, right? Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk today speaks on a variety of different topics and, and organizations and groups aren't hiring Gary to come in and talk about, you know, we want to hire Gary because we want the latest and greatest strategies on, you know, social media marketing, right? They hire Gary because he's Gary. And because uh, if they hire Gary, they're going to sell tickets and they're going to put, he's going to put butts in seats, right? Right. But Gary today can speak on anything and everything. When Gary got his start, you know, 10 plus years ago or so, do you know, uh, do you remember what, what he spoke about or what like the primary thing was he was known for? I, I just know he was known as like a family wine business owner. I don't know. Family wine, right? Yeah. Just wine. Yeah. Like this yeah. one specific thing. All he yeah. did was wine, right? Yeah. So he didn't talk about, he didn't really get into marketing and he wasn't talking about hustle or motivation or any of these other things. He talked about wine and he was known for wine, right? So the same thing is true. Today, he speaks on a variety of different things, but initially he got to start on one thing, wine, and that was it. Uh, yeah. I'll give you another example. So let's take Nike. Today, Nike is a huge multi, multi, multi billion dollar company that sells anything and everything that they can put a swoosh on, right? But originally, way back in the day, when Nike first got their start, they got their start selling a one very specific type of running shoe for a very specific type of athlete. So they sold this running shoe that was designed for long distance uh, collegiate runners, right? So not the shoe that's for everyone, not a basketball shoe, not a baseball shoe, not an everyday shoe, not a walking shoe or a running shoe. They designed one specific type of shoe for long distance collegiate runners. And that was it. Now, once they got some traction there, then they started to expand. Okay, now we, we've got this. What if we built, you know, a different type of running shoe? Or what if we built a basketball shoe? Or what if we built a, a, an everyday type of shoe? And what if we built this type of shoe or that type of shoe? Okay, now we're getting some traction there. What if we do shorts? Or what if we do basketballs? Or what if we do hats? And they start to expand to what it is today. But if they started from the beginning and they said, all right, we want to be Nike. We want to be one of the world's largest, you know, lifestyle and apparel sports companies. So we're going to put a swoosh on anything and everything. And they try to do that from day one. It would never work. But they started very, very narrow and very clear and very focused. And then over time, they expanded from there. So what you don't want to do is you just you don't want to expand and try to do everything out of the gate because that, that's just never going to work. Yeah, no, that's really good advice because I think it's worth hammering in or reiterating that is people want to do so much because they're scared that if they just pick one thing, yep. it won't work. But the irony is if they actually pick one topic, pick one niche, do it really well, 
you're not throwing away the hope of teaching on these other topics. You're just becoming expert and known in one field to build a brand that you could then have the ability to scale in other areas. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like we get this in every other possible way. I'll give you another example here. So let's imagine, you know, let's imagine, God forbid, you needed brain surgery, right? You have a choice. You could go to um, uh, like your local family doctor where they went to medical school. They are a doctor. They have the same, you know, fancy letters before or after their name. Uh, they probably took a class on surgery. They probably know more about the brain than you or I do. They hypothetically could do brain surgery. Or you could go to the person who is a brain surgeon. Like that's all they do day in and day out. So if you have a if you have a bad cough, you don't go to the brain surgeon. You know, you go to their family doctor who's just kind of a generalist versus yeah. the specialist. And so by being a, a brain surgeon, they're able to turn away a lot of business and make it really, really simple for people to say, you got a brain issue? Like I'm the go-to person that you need to t- that you need. The, to work on your brain, right? Versus someone who's like, yeah, I took a class on brains at one point and, and uh, medical school, so I could probably figure it out. Like, I don't want that person working on my brain and neither do you. And so yeah. by being focused, by being specialized, it actually makes it easier for people to say, yep, you're exactly what I need because it also like repels all the other people that are not a good fit. Yep, no, that's great. So, so Grant, let's take, um, say one of my clients, for example, who likes to coach on a lot of different things, but we get them to say, all right, I, my real niche for speaking specifically, I want to go on, do is relationships. Do you think that that's niche enough or like you, it was like couples, like how to find a partner, like how much more niche would you recommend they go? And then from there, I'm curious, what would actual next steps look like for them to actually start? Yeah. Yeah. So there's two sides to the equation there. You have who you speak to and what's the problem that you actually solve. Right. So just saying like, you know, I speak to, I, uh, I speak about relationships. Uh, okay. So what's, what's the problem that you're solving for relationships and what kind of relationships are you talking about? You know, a husband, wife, are you talking about a dating? Are you talking about, um, um, you know, um, it, um, like friendships or work dynamics, um, you know, boss employee relationships. So just saying like relationships that, that also just doesn't, doesn't tell me anything. Again, we're, that's kind of a buffet thing of like, yeah. well, what kind of relationships I speak on any type of relationships? Like, yeah, no, you don't, you know? So versus saying like, no, I focus on this one very specific type of relationship. And here's this common challenge that this type of relationship runs into. So if we mm-hmm. say like, you know, I help, I help married couples. Well, the challenges of a, um, uh, you know, of a couple who's been married for 50 years and the situation and the life circumstances of a couple that's been married for 50 years and how you help their relationship is very different than a newlywed couple, right? Um, Who are in their, let's say their 20s, right? They're just different places of life. So saying like, I can speak to anybody and everybody on relationships. No, you can't. And I don't like, you wouldn't hire that person. What you want is someone who says, no, no, I work for this very specific type of couple or this very specific type of relationship dynamic because it actually like, I know how to solve that specific problem versus trying to do all things for all people. So that'd be the first thing I'd kind of push back on is to get really clear, like what kind of relationships are you working, are you, are you working with? And what's the problem that you're actually helping to solve? So just saying again, like I work with relationships, like that doesn't tell me anything, you know? So how, like, how do you, I'm in a relationship with my wife and I'm in a relationship with my three daughters and I'm in a relationship with lots of friends and employees and, uh, you know, family members. So there's a lot of different types of relationships, but I being really clear about what type of relationship and what's the problem that you solve for them is, is really that first step. Yep. So getting really clear, not just on relationships, but let's say I'm going to approach frustrated singles who've been single for a while on how to date effectively and find your long-term partner. 
Yeah. So, okay. I'll give you a couple of thoughts here. So yeah. one would be like we talked about, you have the two sides of the equation of who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve. Okay. Yeah. The third part of the equation is going to be where do those people gather? Where do those people gather? Just because you want to talk about a topic, just because you're passionate about a topic, just because the, there are frustrated singles that exist in the world. There's a hundred percent truth to that, right? But where do those people gather? Because if there's not some type of natural gathering of where those people meet or congregate or exist, what are the, the associations or the groups, the gatherings, the companies, the trade shows, whatever it is, what are the things that they are naturally a part of, then there's not necessarily opportunities for you to speak to those audiences because there's no, there's no audience that gathers around that right. certain subject or topic, right? right? So there has to be that overlap there between here's a topic that I'm passionate about and here's a topic that organizations and groups uh, are actually interested in hiring speakers to talk about. And there's right. natural opportunities there. The other mm -hmm. thing, if we take even a step backwards here, um, in terms of who you would speak to, what you speak about, where do those people exist, is what are your goals as a speaker? What are your goals as a speaker? And what I mean by that is, let's, let's take the relationship example. For someone that said, I want to speak to you know, frustrated singles, um, and the reason that I want to speak to them is I do a lot of coaching with singles about helping them in their dating lives, right? Um, and if I could speak at you know, five things a year for free, and I could use it as lead gen for my coaching business, that would be a big win for me, right? That's mm -hmm. a very different approach than saying like, I want to speak um, to frustrated singles about how they, how they can improve their dating life. And I want to do a hundred gigs a year. I want them all to be paid, you know, $10,000 each. Um, and I don't really do any, you know, of the coaching stuff, but I, I just I want to find a hundred paid uh, speaking gigs at a high dollar for this thing. And so my initial question is, are there even a hundred potential opportunities that right that exists in the marketplace? Is this something that people are regularly paying speakers to come in and talk about? Or is it something where you're like, again, just because you say like, I'm interested in talking about this and here's something I'm really knowledgeable on and here's something I care about and I'm passionate about, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a market that actually exists for that subject or topic. So right. does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's really helpful to get clear on, is this something you're just trying to use to build your brand or is this something where you're trying to make a living doing this? So thinking about, totally different paths you would take based on which one I'm assuming. Yep. And then, but just to, my, my question is really to go back to thinking about where people gather. So mm -hmm. for example, let's say someone came to you and we're just running with this example of someone who's a relationship coach. Yeah. Would you, um, would you advise them to maybe think about what else is in their rep repertoire in terms of skill set for being able to speak on? Because obviously it seems like organizations, large group thing would be more interested in like leadership coaching, other, other types of things. Mm -hmm. Like how would you, advance the coaching dialogue if you were the coach, a speaker coach, for someone who said, okay, like working with frustrated singles, would you say that's a good thing to maybe table because I don't, I don't see like large businesses and companies bringing people into that? Would you pivot uh, to something else or would you double down? And if so, how would you pursue that? Yeah, great question. So uh, I'll give you a couple thoughts. One would be, um, I myself, this is Grant speaking, I don't claim to know every possible speaking topic and speaking industry to know like, you know, if you just threw out a topic, hey, is there, is there an opportunity to speak, um, you know, to pet owners about uh, training their dogs to raise their children? I, I don't know, like maybe, probably not, but off the top of my head, I'm, I'm not sure. There's a ton of different uh, like markets and niches and categories that exist in the marketplace for speakers. So, it, it, there's, so there's not one person that can say, I know everything. Now, how, here's a simple exercise that anyone could do to kind of determine like, all right, I have a rough idea of what my topic is, but is there a marketplace for this? Is this something that people actually pay for? So there's a few ways you could go about doing this. One, 
is that you could do a quick Google search for other speakers who are doing something similar. So you might do a search for like, um, you know, a singles, a single speaker or dating speaker or something along those lines and see what you find, right? See, see what you come up with. If you do a search and you're like, I can't find any other speakers, this is awesome. I'm going to be the first, like, that's not what you're going for. Because if there's no other speakers who are doing it or not in a successful way or doing it similar to what you want to do, then it probably is a red flag to you that there may not be a market that exists for this. When actually what you want to be doing is you want to find other speakers who are doing this because this, this communicates there is a market. There are other speakers who are doing this in the marketplace and it shows like there, there is something here. Uh, another thing you could do is do a quick Google search for um, if you were to speak to this specific audience. So again, let's go with the, you know, the dating example and the singles. Um, what are the types of events that you would be speaking at? So do a quick search for those, especially like if you are that, I, that in that marketplace and you are that ideal target market, if you are a single, like what are the events that you know of that you might attend where you would look for a speaker like this? Do a quick search for that. So again, you know, dating events or singles events or some type of matchmaker event or I don't know, so like something along those lines just to see is there anything that pops up that looks like yeah that's it like that's the type of event that I'm looking for and again if you're not finding any then it should be a little bit of a cautionary uh, a caution there that like all right maybe I need to you know kind of adjust and pivot here uh, another thing that you could do is that if you go to speaker bureaus websites, if you go to speaker bureaus websites, they will have um, a database of oftentimes hundreds, if not thousands of speakers, and they have those speakers that are categorized by topic. And so if you go to a site and you were just to look through, they probably have you know, 50 different topics listed. What is, the, what is the natural category that your topic falls under? And if you're looking and you're like, I can't find any, I'm creating my own category. Again, that's not what we're trying to do here, okay? We're trying to find what's the natural fit for your, for your particular topic, right? So those would be a couple of simple things that you could do uh, in terms of determining um, where your topic might fit. Now, let me ask, answer it a different way. Um, Let's say that you're, you're interested in the relationship topic and you are not necessarily finding, you know, any particular um, um, events or other speakers who are doing something similar. So one way to think about this is what we would call the Trojan horse method. And this is a, where you are thinking about uh, approaching events with, a, with the topic that you have, but putting it in different wrapping paper. Okay. I'll give you an example. So uh, several years ago, when I got my start speaking, I was doing a lot in the education space. I was doing a lot of speaking to uh, high schools and colleges and, and educators uh, and parents. And so um, I remember uh, I was personally very, very passionate about personal finance. My wife and I had been paying off debt and we'd been, um, um, uh, we had a bunch of student loan debt and credit card debt. And I was like, man, I want to I help students with this. Like, this is really, really important, right? And if you were to interview um, a whole bunch of, of, you know, like high school principals, 100 out of 100 of them would tell you that teaching students about money was really important, but I couldn't get anyone to pay me for it. I couldn't get anyone to hire me to talk about it. But what I did find is that a lot of schools were hiring speakers to talk to their students about making a smooth transition from high school into college or from high school into the real world, right? They want to prepare their students for life. So uh, I started positioning the talk as let me come teach your students about how to make a smooth transition from high school into college in the real world. And within that, one of the topics that they need to know about is what? Money, right? So I was able to still talk about it, but talk about it in a different way under the umbrella of what it was that they were actually interested in. I'll give you one other example. So 
Um, I was talking with a lady recently, one of our, 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 our coaching clients, and she was talking about like, I want to speak to attorneys about how they can be happier. Like attorneys are really, really stressed and I want to talk to them about how to be happier. Right. Um, and so we were talking about this and, and, and just kind of like reframing this. And so we were, we were looking at it through the lens of, um, uh, those that are like that own and run uh, like law practices, the principles of those um, or those that are in like associations for attorneys and lawyers where you might speak when they're lying in bed at night, what is it that they are thinking about? What are the challenges and the obstacles that they're running into? They're probably not lying in bed thinking like, man, if I could just get our attorneys to be happier, like if we could just get our attorneys to be like, that's probably what they need. You know, like they're probably not thinking about that, but they are probably thinking, man, this is like a, a really high pressure, high stress job. And so because of that, we have a lot of turnover. We have a lot of burnout. We have a lot of stress. We have a lot of, um, uh, we have a lot of um, potential suicide. We have a lot of mental health issues. We have a lot of these other issues with our attorneys um, that really need addressed. And so from a speaker's perspective, if you were able to say, hey, let me come in and help your attorneys deal with issues like stress and, and burnout and um, turnover. If I can help you deal with those issues, that would be a win. Oh yeah, absolutely. That'd be a win. And so one of the ways you could then solve that problem is you can solve that problem through some dealing with something like happiness, right? Again, you have to frame it in a way that like that makes sense to what they're looking for. Um, but again, that way you're able to still solve the problem that they need help with, where you're able to go about it a, a different way. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I, I've actually kind of done this without realizing it mm -hmm. just to get my points in. So I do uh, work with uh, firms in Manhattan where I live, like uh, hedge funds and private equity uh -huh. firms. And if you go up to them and say, hey, I'd like to come and get all your investment professionals to sit in a circle. I want to talk to everyone about their feelings. Yep. Right. But you know, there's good, good luck. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But if I come in, I say, hey, my background is on Wall Street. I worked in investment banking. I worked at a hedge fund. And I know what it's like to um, have employees underperforming, not doing the deals that they're capable of, not making the money that the firm could really do. And I'd like to come in and share these strategies to help triple productivity and income while giving people work-life balance. They'll, they'll be much more amenable to that. Yes, 100%, right? Yeah. So you, again, yeah. you are solving the problem that they have, but you're coming about it a different way, right? So you have yeah. to think about it through their lens of just like, um, so me personally, Grant, as a business owner, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, employee morale. I'm thinking about, you know, uh, keeping team members long-term. I'm thinking about revenue. I'm thinking about profit. I'm thinking about reducing expenses. So if you can speak to those things, rather, I'm not thinking about, man, how can I help, uh, you know, my team be happy? You know, how can I, but I am realizing like if, um, if they are happy, then it affects the bottom line. And if it, they are happy, then it, it affects uh, morale. And if they are happy, it affects longevity, right? Yep, so yep. you're still solving the problem, but you're positioning it in a different way. Now, the other thing that you kind of touched on is that um, you're, you're doing it kind of accidentally, like you mentioned, you know, and oftentimes the way this works is it's very difficult to read the label from inside the jar, meaning we get this in terms of like how this works with any other business or any like the, the steakhouse buffet. We understand for, the, for a, a brain surgeon. It's just, it's really hard to see, but what does this look like in my business? How does this work for me? How do I best apply this for me? Um, and so that's where like, again, like thinking this through and working through some of this stuff um, can be difficult, but it's really, really necessary to begin to build traction as a speaker. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been really thoughtful about that too, because for example, I'm very passionate 
about psychology and happiness and these types of things. Mm -hmm. So I know that when I'm meeting with someone or an organization that's looking for support on bottom line, revenue, money, things of that nature, I know how, you know, how to cater that, but I've never thought about it in the context of public speaking and pitching speaking in different types of conferences and things like that. So that's very helpful. Um, You know, I'm sure our audience would be interested in, uh, you've helped a lot in terms of really narrowing the niche down and then figuring out who are you talking to, what problem are you solving, multiple layers of really honing in on that and then how to kind of find some places where you can potentially speak at. Uh, Let's say someone has a list of potential conferences and or groups, meetups where they can pitch to. Um, How do you recommend uh, their email get through the filter? Like, do you recommend attaching video, attaching a speaking presentation, a resume? What's the best way to go from like a, you know, the no thank you pile, which 90% of these emails get, to actually getting selected to speak? Yeah, so I definitely don't recommend like a, a spray and pray approach where, you know, you, you know, you, like you said, you have a list of a potential email or a potential events and you just, you know, uh, create one email and BCC all of them. And it's just kind of this impersonal thing. And you just kind of send it out into the abyss and like, all right, I did it. Now I just hope, I hope it works. Like that doesn't work. The reality is, is like, um, you and I, everyone listening, everyone watching, we all, you know, interact with a bunch of emails on a daily basis. And we can all tell the difference between an email that was written to specifically us versus one that was written to you plus hundreds, if not thousands of other people, this kind of vague generic type of email, right? We've written them and we've received them and we know the difference. So, uh, when you something is written specifically to you, you can tell that you're a lot more likely to engage in that and a lot more likely to reply. So all that to say, is it easier to send one to write one email, copy and paste it, and send it to 100 people? Yeah, that is certainly easier and quicker, but it's not going to yield any type of result. What's going to take more time, what's going to take more effort is to do some variations, do some customization to the point that it's like this was written specifically to this person and wasn't just copy and pasted to a bunch of other people. So this is where you have to do a little bit of research. You got to dig around and figure out why is it that you're a good fit? What is it? Who is the person that you're emailing to? Is there any type of personal connection that you have with them? So even before we started recording here, you and I were kind of talking and um, I, you mentioned that you live in New York City and I said, oh, that's cool. My brother lives in New York City, right? Now all of a sudden we have a connection. It's a very, very minimal, small connection, but we have some type of connection of, cool, I know someone who lives in the same city that you do. It happens to be the biggest city and there's a lot of people there, but here's this really small connection that you and I have, right? Yeah. Um, in the same way that if, you know, if I talk to someone and I see that, you know, they're a fan of a certain sports team or, um, or I have visited their city or I've spoke to their city, uh, spoken their city before or anything along those lines. Like I'm trying to look for some type of personal connection that I can make with them. So that's really what the goal is. The other thing I would say is that when you're writing some type of email is again, put yourself on the receiving end of that email. You don't want to send some like, you know, 48 paragraph email of like, Hey, I'm Grant. I'm a speaker. I'm awesome. You should have me come speak. And let me tell you uh, like my life story and why I'm so great. And here's all the different topics I talk about. And here's my website and here's my video and here's blah, 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 blah. Like I, I got an email the other day from someone, um, that was like, it felt like that. it was like this 48 paragraph email. And I read the first sentence or two and I did a lead of it. Like, I'm just like, nope, I'm just, I don't know where this is going. I don't, I'm not going to read this huge thing. But if I get an email that's like, you know, a couple of sentences, a paragraph or two, and it's short, it's to the point, and it's not some long pitchy email, uh, and it's simple to reply to, I'm a lot more likely to respond to that, right? Uh, and I get a lot of emails every day. I'm sure you do too. And so 
When you get emails that are short, simple to the point, you're a lot more likely to read and respond to those um, mm -hmm. that are personalized too, versus again, something that's like long or pitchy or feels like it's to everyone and no one at the same time, right? So again, just put yourself in the position, of, put yourself on the other end, on the receiving end of that email. The more specific, the more clear you are, uh, the more likely you're going to get a reply. So oftentimes what I will do, is in my email. The other thing I would do is I really recommend that you, um, that you ask some specific question that's easy to reply to. Like my goal when I email a potential event planner is to make it uh, really easy for them to reply to. You know, when, when someone emails me, for example, and they say, hey, Grant, how do I get speaking gigs? Like that's a big question, right? So like if you, you mentioned like the, the, the dating topic. Um, so if, if someone emailed that person and said, hey, I want to know how do I find my perfect soulmate? It's like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, like it's just kind of like this, where do I even begin, you know, yeah. versus if they ask something very, very specific that's easy to reply to, hey, um, uh, Grant, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, reaching out to this specific event. Um, you know, I was wondering, here's what I was thinking about uh, asking, uh, or here's two options. Should I say this or say this? Like, great. That's really easy for me to reply to, right? Um, versus like, here's this broad, big, vague question um, that is really, really hard to respond to. So oftentimes when I email an event planner, I'll ask something like, hey, I saw that you're planning an event in October. Uh, I was curious when you'll start reviewing speakers for that event. Yeah. That's, it's easy to respond to. Like they're able to say like, we start reviewing speakers in two weeks or we already picked our speakers or we'll start reviewing speakers in, you know, four months. Like, great. Now that's really simple for them to respond to. So that's a simple one that you can work with. And again, this is all, this is all through the context of, you know, cold emailing a potential event planner, but also you can take the step of figuring out uh, are, is there anyone in the industry that you speak to that you already have connections to? Is there any other speakers that you know? Is there anybody in your, in your sphere of influence who maybe they're not responsible for hiring speakers, but they know someone who is? Um, mm -hmm. That's where, again, going all the way back to the S, the selecting a problem to solve, like start with a world you already know. So I'll give you one other example. There was a, um, a coaching client we were working with recently, and um, I said, all right, let's, 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 start, let's talk, start by talking about the, some of those beginning questions of who do you speak to and what's the problem that you solve. Uh, I was like, tell me, tell me about your background. Um, and they're like, well, you know, I'm having a hard time figuring out who I speak to, but I I've been a realtor for the past 30 years. It's like, awesome. Let's start there. Like that's a world you already know. You are, you attend all these conferences, you know, who, like what people hire speakers to talk about at these events. You've sat in those sessions before. You probably know who the decision makers are. That's low hanging fruit, right? So let's start there. It doesn't mean you have to speak to realtors forever and ever and ever, but let's start there with something that you already know. So that way, again, for any speaker, you can, you can do some cold emails and, you know, again, we've talked through how you can actually do that, but also start with like what you already know where you have some like where do you have a cheat code right where can you make make it easier for yourself versus like I'm gonna start trying to speak in this industry that I know no one I know nothing and it's like right. this immediate uphill battle so you can try that but there's probably simpler ways to go about that but again speaking to an audience audiences that you're already familiar with in an industry that you already know yeah I'm really glad you said that because I was going to ask you to shoot talk on that which is I've been going to some financial firms here in New York and it's funny, I print out a list of, uh, from hedge fund alert of all the top hedge funds here in the city because yeah. I used to work with one. And I started to write down all the people that I know personally. And yep. I emailed three people and I ended up meeting set up with two of them. One is yep. a private equity firm that manages $150 billion. And it's not because I'm better than anyone else. I have these relationships already. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that the listeners tap into their existing network. 
a cold email you can send out to 10 people and get zero responses. If you yep. get up three people you have a relationship with, you probably get three responses. Yeah. So if you already like, um, let's take this example, like with the hedge fund thing, you know, so even if you, if you contacted just some, some, some friends and colleagues that you have, maybe they don't even, they're not directly responsible for hiring speakers, but they know who you would need to talk to within that company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you said, Hey, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, do you, you know, do you guys ever do any type of, um, you know, relationship training or do you need any type of like, if I was going to speak on this topic at your company, like, is that something that, that you get, have you ever been to any type of training like that? Or have you ever, do you have any idea if they ever brought speakers in? Who would I need to talk to on something like this? So like, oh, actually, you know, we, we just had some, you know, mandatory training that we had to attend on this topic or, yeah. Um, oh yeah, actually, um, here's who you need. Here's the colleague that, of mine that you need to talk to. Let me make an introduction, right? So like, that's, that's a shortcut. Like you should absolutely utilize that. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the thing that the most speakers do as we go back to the S, like, let's say we're really clear on who we speak to, what we speak about, about now we just like, okay, now I just wait for someone to find me and hopefully they book me. And like, that doesn't work. Like you have to connect the dots for them and say, here's the solution that I, or here's the problem that they have. Here's the solution that I offer. Um, how, like, how can I best help here? Right. Um, so that's where, again, like beginning to reach out to people and let people know in your network, here's, here's what you do really gets the ball rolling. Yeah. Well said. Tell us about your book. Yeah. So the, uh, the book is called the successful speaker, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. Um, and it really takes like everything we've kind of covered here, that five-step process speak S P E A K and really just dives into that uh, a lot deeper. So, um, We've really scratched the surface here on on what uh, uh, on on the, the process, but really the book really gets into the uh, the nuts and bolts of how do you actually implement it? How do you apply it to your speaking business? And so there's there's plenty of people who are watching or listening who'd say, I want to speak full time. I want to be a full time speaker, and it right. will absolutely help them. And plenty of people who'd say, I don't want to speak full time, like, but I would love to do you know five gigs or ten gigs, and I just don't know where to begin. I don't know what I don't know. There's so many people who are in that spot. When I got started speaking. I felt like this. I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I was a decent speaker. I was a good enough speaker. I like speaking. Want to do more of it. No idea what to do from there. And there's so many people that are in that spot. They've done some speaking at work. They've done, they spoke at something at a conference. They've got some good feedback. They've liked it. They wanted to do more of it. Now, what do I do from here? Do I just keep sitting back and wait for people to magically find me? Like that doesn't work. That's not a plan. Uh, so what we want to do is like just pull back the curtain and show like, this is what you need to do. If you're serious about speaking, here's how you go about doing it. It's not rocket science. It's one of the things we say in the book and we say all the time with students, it's like, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. You know, at the time of this recording, we are just a few days into the new year. And there's a lot of people who've set new year re resolutions and they all sound really good on January 1st. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, new year, new me, 2020. I'm going to do this. This is going to be a great year. And that sounds great on January 1st, but then like, you know, January 7th rolls around and you're just like, I'm, you know, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so like if, if, you know, when people set a new year's resolution, like, um, losing five pounds, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy. Everyone watching, everyone listening knows what you need to do to lose five pounds. You need to pay attention to what you eat and you need to exercise. None of us are fitness or diet experts, at least I'm not, but I know those two things. You need to pay attention to what you eat and you need to exercise. It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. And so everything we walk through in the book, it's simple. It gives you a roadmap, a step-by-step -step process of what to do. It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. It still requires work. It still requires effort to do, but you can absolutely do it. Mm -hmm. And you have a co-author on this one? 
Uh, sort of. So I uh, worked with a, a buddy of mine, Jeff Goins, on that. So all of the content within the book is, um, is my IP, it's my ideas, my content that we teach and train inside the Speaker Lab. Uh, Jeff is really the scribe. He's the, um, uh, Jeff, uh, are, you, are you familiar with Jeff? Do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff is a phenomenal writer. He's published, written and published several books. He is a much better writer than I will ever be. So he actually approached me on this a couple of years ago and said, Hey, um, you've already got like uh, different courses and a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of interviews. And all. You have all the content and knowledge on speaking. Yeah. What if I work with you? I take all of that and I put it into a book. And so, um, so it's kind of like, you know, if, if a publisher came to you and said, Hey, you know, we want to give you a bunch of money for Jeff Goins to write your book. Like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. So, uh, so worked with, with Jeff. He did a lot of the, the writing side of it, of taking it and yeah. synthesizing it into a book and yeah. uh, curating it into a book and did a, a phenomenal job. He's a, a great guy and did a, um, uh, we're both really happy with how the book turned out. Well, good for you, Grant, because I have, uh, I'm in a similar position where I have all the podcasts and enough content there and I've been manning the ship. I've had a lot of ghostwriters, people yeah. reach out to me and say, Hey, we can put this together and I'm kind of doing it myself for now at least. Um, so that's, that was a really smart move. Um, where else, so where can people get the book and where else can people find more about you? Do you have other resources, webinars and things like that that you recommend? Um, I found you because I watched um, one of your webinars. I don't know if it's your core webinar on yeah. how to get the speaking engagements. I thought it was really, uh, really helpful. So if you want to talk about that too, feel free. Yeah, I can throw out a couple different links depending on what people are looking for. So uh, the webinar you probably attended, people can find over at freespeakingworkshop.com, freespeakingworkshop.com. Um, and it is, a, again, just a, a totally free training that people can, can go through that walks through some of this more in depth. Um, again, the book is called The Successful Speaker. Uh, people can find it at thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book. It's on Amazon, Barnes Noble, wherever books are sold, wherever you buy your books, you can check out. Um, and then um, we have a, a podcast as well uh, by the same name, The Speaker Lab Podcast, where we've got, uh, depending on what people listen, 250, 260 some episodes on all different topics, uh, all facets of speaking. So people who listen to this podcast uh, probably listen to other podcasts. So if you're looking for another one in the, in the feed, then uh, check that one out. I'll give you one other tool, just kind of free resource. that's fun to play around with. We have a lot of people who ask about speaking fees. Uh, how much should I charge? Right. And the reality is, is like, it depends, which is a horrible answer. Um, but it's the right answer that there are a lot of variables and factors that go into it. So we put together a free uh, speaking fee calculator where you answer a couple questions. It tells you what you should be charging as a speaker based on a bunch of different variables and factors. So um, again, totally free calculator. You can mess around with, you can go to uh, myspeakerfee.com, myspeakerfee.com. And, um, Again, it's like six, seven questions, takes you less than a minute and tells you what you should be charging as a speaker. So myspeakerfee.com is another uh, cool tool that people can go uh, mess around with. Yeah, thank you, Grant. Do you also do those, uh, the breakdowns still? I've seen you do some speech breakdowns where you pause and kind of critique. And yeah, uh, I so know we, those are on YouTube. Yeah, so we did a bunch of those on YouTube. Um, we've got probably, uh, probably around 40 of those uh, where we took popular uh, TED Talks or speeches or presentations or commencement addresses and did what we called a, a speech breakdown where we would go through and kind of show um, why something worked or how something could be improved or how you can take what they just did and apply it to your own presentation. Um, so we haven't been doing as many of those. We've paused for a couple months now, but um, like I said, we've got probably 40 some of those um, on YouTube. Uh, you can find that by going over to uh, youtube.com slash the speaker lab or just search for speech breakdown. You'll probably find them there. Uh, so yeah, if there's a, a speaker or a Ted talk that um, you are a fan of, you'll, you're, there's a decent chance we've done uh, a review and kind of speech breakdown of that. So uh, yeah, it's uh, there's some, there's some fun content over there as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I like watching those. All right, last question, Grant. Um, who is your favorite speaker and who, and second question, who do you think is the, uh, one of the most overrated speakers that people like and you actually think they're not that good? Uh, okay, okay, that's a tough question. So um, let's see here. One of my favorite speakers I've seen is a, a good friend of mine, uh, John Acuff. Um, John is a, um, uh, is a great speaker. He's very, very funny, very um, entertaining, very inspiring, very captivating, just a very, very good speaker. Um, and I know, you know, just from knowing John, like he works, he works really, really hard on his craft. So um, he is naturally um, funny and engaging and charismatic, but um, he also spends a lot of time working to be great on stage. So John is definitely someone that is phenomenal. Um, Spell his last name for the just for listeners. Yeah, uh, John J O N, uh, no H, and then uh, Acuff A C U F F A C U F F. So uh, he's Perfect. also a phenomenal author. So he's got several different books out there um, that you ought to check out. Um, all right, who's overrated? Ah, uh, yeah, boy. Um, there are I don't. There's no one necessarily specific that's coming to mind. There's a lot of like, I would say like celebrity speakers that um, uh, are paid a stupid amount of money uh, to be on stage and talk, but they're not paid because they're a good speaker. They're paid because they can sell tickets and put butts in seats. Um, yeah. And so there are, there are plenty of those that I know. Uh, a, a good friend of mine um, is the president of a major speakers bureau. Um, and he would tell you like, there's speakers that they, they regularly book that are $100,000, $200,000 speakers that... Um, app, their name absolutely looks great on a, on a, on a website or on a marquee, they suck on stage. Um, and again, it's not a knock on them. It's like some of those people, uh, again, they're not, their their um, their skill set isn't on being a speaker. Their skill set is on something else, um, right. and people want the name, uh, with the event. So there are plenty of those that are just like, um, that are just, they're, they're not great on stage, but they're also like, that's um that's not what they're necessarily paid for is to to be on stage and be an eloquent communicator good good answer good political <laughs> i had to be cautious <laughs> you, know, there. you don't want to roast anyone <laughs> on my show that's fair that's fair uh, this is grant baldwin uh the successful speaker get it on amazon today grant thanks again for coming on the show thanks brendan appreciate it man thank you for tuning in to another episode of the brendan burns show if it's your first time here please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Lastly, if you're looking to take your personal life, business, or career to the next level and you want access to me as well as my community of like-minded people, head over to courses.brendaneachburns.com and join us in Mastery Academy, my membership site that comes with online course content as well as live coaching calls every two weeks hosted by me personally. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.